Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCETown.com. So we're spending time talking about uh, accessing your best life and how to access your best life because uh, unlocking those truths open up, opens up a whole new world to you. That's what's possible. That's the best life that's waiting. And there are some people who have no idea that there is a better life that is available for them. They just, it's, it's just unknown to them. Then there's other people, and maybe you're in this boat where, where you've heard about a better life, and you've heard that there's a best life out there, but you're just not quite sure about it yet. And then there are some of us who have actually turned the key and, and opened the door and have, have gained access to this better way of life and this best life that's available to us. And yet somewhere along the way we got distracted. And even though the door is open, we're, we're, we're not really engaged in it. Well, no matter which one of those best describes you, it is worth kind of figuring out how to access your best life and, and how to, to go about that. And, and I don't want to hide what I believe, I believe without a shadow of a doubt that the only way to unlock the door, the only way to access the best life is through Jesus Christ, okay? No other question there. It's why our vision here is to lead people closer to Jesus, to lead people closer to the life of Jesus, to lead people closer to the sacrifice of Jesus, to lead people closer to the salvation of Jesus, to lead people closer to the mind of Jesus, because all of that is the better life and that all leads to the better life. And so I wanna lead people closer to him so that they can experience all of that. But with a lot of things, before we take a step into something, we wanna see what it is that we're taking a step into. We, we kinda wanna see some evidence of what the best life is. What is this better life that you're talking about so I can see it before I invest in it, before I kind of dive into it. A few weeks ago, um, I, I invested in an outdoor cooking system. But before I got to that, I was uh, doing some research. And anymore, I do my research on YouTube. And I was watching all kinds of YouTube videos about this particular system that I wanted to buy. And I wanted to see them unbox the whole thing. You know, I wanted to watch an unboxing video. And then I wanted to watch a reviews video. And then I wanted to watch a preview video. And then I also watched them <laughs> make some fantastic food on this thing. I watched people cook things and roast things and grill things and smoke things. And then it was good. Okay. And I wanted in on all of that. And I, and I wanted specifically to watch those videos all the way through to get to the end because I wanted to see what the finished product was. That finished product mattered. I wanted to see that because that was going to help me know whether this was what I wanted to invest in. My family kind of makes fun of me for my YouTube watching that happened during that entire period of time. And maybe it's because I've watched too much YouTube lately, but when I read through the portion of Romans that we're going to dive into today, I, I tend to think Paul's doing the same thing with, with what he's talking about in Romans. It's it's an unboxing video that he's giving to us. It's a review of this life that's available to us, of, of a better life and what it looks like, where he's gonna tell us all about what it is, and then he's going to make sure that we understand how to access it. So I wanna take the same tack this morning. 
I want to give us just a little bit more about what this best life is that God makes available. And then I want to make sure that we know how to access that. Now, this past week, we had some homework. Okay, and and I hope that you participated in the homework. Last Sunday, I gave you some homework to read through the first six chapters of the book of Romans. And it sounds like a lot, but they're short chapters. And I even made mention of the fact that if you look in my Bible anyway, those first six chapters only take five pages of the entire Bible for you to read. That was your homework for the entire week was to read five pages of the Bible. Okay, and and I hope that you participated. And I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands, but I kind of liked what Chris was up to a little bit earlier in our service. And so um, we're gonna make some noise together. Okay, so if you participated in reading the, doing the homework you were supposed to do, reading Romans chapters one through six, in just a second, I'm gonna ask you to hoot and holler and make some noise. So if you participated in our homework and read Romans one through six, make some noise right now. That's good. I was a little nervous it might be silent, so I'm glad that you're with me. All right, so here, here's your homework for this week, okay? More homework. I don't, hold, before we go there, I want to appropriately praise you, and I'm not being sarcastic here. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to tell. Okay, I, I want to appropriately praise you for doing that homework. I mean, reading God's Word is an important thing to do. So you read the first six chapters of the book of Romans. Here's the homework for this week. All we're asking, all I'm asking is that you would read Romans 7 and 8, okay? Two chapters, much less. Two chapters. I went back to my Bible to kind of see, okay, what's the workload for this week? It's, it's not five pages of the Bible. Two and a half pages of the Bible is what we're asking for this week. So if last week seemed like that was some heavy lifting for you to get done, this week's half as much, okay? So it's great. Romans 7 and 8. So that's your homework for this week. But let me go back to last week for a second. Because Paul very intentionally spent the first six chapters of the book of Romans laying the foundation for who we are and what sin has done to us, and what we deserve because of that sin, and then what God implemented and the plan that he put in place with Jesus to pay for the debt that we had incurred, and then to offer us this gift of grace and forgiveness. That's the story that gets told in the first six chapters of the book of Romans, and mostly it's a story about God the Father and Jesus the Son. And then we get to this next portion in the book of Romans, and it appears as though Paul introduces a new character, that there's a brand new introduction that happens in these next couple of chapters, because woven into our understanding about the reality of God is God the creator and God the savior in Jesus, but then also God, the constant companion whom we call the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit makes an appearance in Romans 7 and 8, it can seem as though Paul's kind of bringing him into the story late, like he just showed up, like he's just now part of the story. Or it it can appear as though um, he really wasn't part of the past and wasn't really part of what was going on there, but that's That's a misunderstanding of things. That the Holy Spirit was part of the story the whole way through. But Paul, knowing how we think, knowing how our minds work, because he's one of us, needed to focus first on the truth about who we think we are, and then who we really are, and then how God rescued us. 
And that part of the story largely includes God and Jesus. But in Romans chapter 8, he fully engages with the role and the work of Holy Spirit God in our lives. So, I want you to follow along with me in this. So if you've got your Bible, whether you've got a digital version or a physical version, I want you to open with me to Romans chapter eight, okay? So you can have a little time to find it. Open your Bible digitally or physically to Romans chapter eight. And the great part about it is, once you get there, you can kind of mark that because that's your homework for this week. And now you already know where it is. And so you can just kind of do that. But Romans chapter eight, in this, Paul kind of spells out that the Holy Spirit leads to our best life. And yet there are many of us who are sitting here that don't think about the Holy Spirit too much at all. The Holy Spirit's presence in your life, Paul's getting ready to tell us, unshackles your life, guides your life, directs your life, and provides micro and macro instructions all along the way in your life. But Paul begins to help us understand who the Holy Spirit is. And so he says the first impact of the Holy Spirit that he gets to in Romans chapter eight is that the Holy Spirit provides freedom. That the Holy Spirit provides freedom from the law, Paul says specifically. Um, But I I wanna make sure we understand that because it sounds like when you hear that the Holy Spirit gives us freedom from the law, it feels like that that means that the law was wrong or that the law was somehow a failure. But the law wasn't a failure we just couldn't live up to the law. We failed. Sin failed. Because the law was perfect. The law was given to us by God. You go all the way back in the Old Testament, we're talking about the law that God gave to Moses on on how all of mankind could live life the best way. In Deuteronomy, Moses kind of goes through and he, he repeats everything about the law so that people know how they can live their best life but we couldn't live up to the law. And when we couldn't live up to the law, then the law led to shame, and the law led to guilt, and the law led to anger and disappointment, and and, and then the law led to more disobedience because once we figured out that we couldn't live up to the law, then we kind of quit trying. And so the law became this box that we were in. It It was bondage to us. We were chained to the law, and we were losing badly. But then, as Paul describes in verses three and four of Romans chapter eight, things changed. He said, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, that's us, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And then here's what Jesus did. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us because Jesus us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So Jesus turned everything around. But again, it can seem as though that the law was like plan A to save us. And the law was kind of put out there as this thing that if we could get that right, then, then, then we're good. But we couldn't, and so it failed, and Jesus was plan B. That's not the case. Jesus was part of the plan all along. But the the problem is, we needed to understand the law and what we couldn't attain. And then Jesus came and Jesus lived the life that we could not live. 
He was perfectly adhering to the law of God all the way through his life. And then because he did that, he could be sacrificed and pay the punishment that we deserve by not meeting the standard of the law. But the law mattered for any of that to make sense to us. And the law still matters. But the law has a a different purpose because now the law is teaching us about the best life. I don't don't know if you can go back this far, but remember back, this is some years for us, remember back to when you were in like very young grade school. We're talking kindergarten, first, second grade. Back in that time, and we didn't know it because we didn't know any better. We just assumed that's how life was going to be. We had all kinds of rules that we had to abide by. In fact, kindergarten, first and second grade, really the curriculum was rules. If you could just follow the rules, then you, you got to pass. But the rules were, were pretty strict. I mean, you had to sit in assigned seats, usually by alphabetical order. It, it meant that you couldn't talk and you couldn't make noise unless you raised your hand and somebody called on you and then you could talk. When you moved through the hallway, you weren't supposed to make a lot of noise then either, and you were supposed to pay attention to the person that was walking in front of you and not get too far behind them and stay pretty close to that person and make sure you're you know, almost in, in, in heel and toe connection with them. Even though we're moving like 50 feet down the hallway, we're still going to be that intent, and we've got little ropes to handle. Remember the ropes that some of us had to hold on to as we made our way through the hallway? When it came to writing out a word or writing out a sentence, They gave us paper that had a template on it. It had those two solid lines and then the dash line in the middle. And you were judged or graded just as sternly on how well you crafted your letters and and how consistent you were and how much in a straight line you could write as much as you were about the content of what you were writing. But then we got older. And as we moved on to those higher grades, without even noticing, they kind of lifted the rules. And all of a sudden, one day we got to sit wherever we wanted to sit. And when we were writing, we could write on any kind of paper we wanted. We could write with the regular kind of lined paper. We could write on college rule lined paper. We could write on graph paper. You could write on paper that didn't have any lines at all. Funny thing was, we were still writing in straight lines and pretty legibly, even if there are no lines. And when we were making our way down the hallway, we still were trying to get from point A to point B as fast as we possibly could because we didn't want to be late. The rules got lifted. But the habits that had been created by the rules made life better. The rules didn't fail us. They just had a purpose to teach us. Now, the relationship that we're looking at in Romans chapter 8, the relationship between the law or the rules of God and the sacrifice of Jesus and the freedom provided by the Holy Spirit, it's all connected. Jesus' greatest role in our story is that he justified our lives with the law. Okay, We couldn't meet the standard Jesus came and acted as our substitute and made us just in terms of the law. Without Jesus, our lives are still completely imprisoned, boxed in by the law that we can't meet. 
But Jesus' sacrifice and his payment freed us from the bondage, from the shackles of the law. And then the Holy Spirit got involved. And the Holy Spirit helps us approach the law as if the law is just there to teach us some things. And the law is there to instruct us and direct us into better habits for life so that we can live the best life. The law still matters because it's teaching us a better way of life. John Stott said this, he said, the law obedience of the people of God is so important to God that he sent his son to die for us and his spirit to live in us in order to secure it. Holiness is the fruit of Trinitarian grace. Now before that sounds like really highbrow stuff, here's what it means. Of the Father sending his son into the world and his spirit into our hearts. Jesus frees us from the bondage of the law and the Holy Spirit frees us to use God's law to build a better life. And because we have been freed from thinking that the law is something that's unattainable, that we can never really get right anyway, so why even try? And, and since we now know that the punishment of the law and the guilt that comes from the law, all of that has been lifted by the justice provided by the sacrifice of Jesus, now we're freed up to see the law with brand new eyes. All that's done by Holy Spirit God. That's a better way to live. Not living in guilt, not living in shame, not living disappointed, not living angry. That's life in the spirit, freedom. But the, free, the, the spirit offers even more. The spirit also provides for us a new mind. Okay, how you take in, how you observe, how you view and interpret the world around you, it's different when you have the Holy Spirit that has been promised to all of us that accept the gift of God. The Spirit helps you interpret, helps you calculate life according to the mind of Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 5, Paul says this. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh needs nowhere good, okay? It's death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. If you have accepted the gift of God and you've said yes to Jesus, then the mind of Holy Spirit God is constantly with you and gives you a godly perspective, a godly view, a godly mind on the world around you. But though that perspective is given and though you can see that and though you have the mind of the Spirit, you are not a robot. The Holy Spirit doesn't dwell in us pulling levers and pushing buttons and controlling us and making us do what God wants us to do. Any more than when Jesus was on this earth and he was with his disciples, he didn't force them or control them to do what they did. He could teach them, he could advise them, he could train them, he could practice with them, he could challenge them and confront them and, and at times even rebuke them for some of the things that they didn't do right. But every step of the way, with Jesus with them, it was still the choice 
of the disciples to make on their own. The Holy Spirit provides you with the mind that lights the way towards a better life and towards better habits and towards a better outcome. The information is there. It's there for you to live a better life, but it is still your choice. Ultimately, it's a question of what it is that preoccupies us. It's really about what ambitions drive us in life, what it is that concerns us in this life. Because all of that is determined by who we are and, and who we're choosing to be. It's about whether we're going to accept God's gift that God gives to us freely, and we accept that gift and then decide that we're still just gonna live the way that we were living before and we're just gonna live in the flesh still. Or whether we're going to accept the gift of God and believe in a new birth that we have to live in the spirit, as Paul calls it. Just to kind of summarize, our life is made just by the sacrifice of Jesus. But then our life is provided a clean and clear and pure path for every moment that it has by the mind of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit provides freedom for us towards a better life. And the Holy Spirit provides a a new mind for us in a better life. But the Holy Spirit also provides for us constant help that comes our way through something that we call the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, I've heard people say, and maybe you've thought this before, that they wish they lived in the time of Jesus so that they could have been there with Jesus around, so that they could talk to Jesus and have face-to-face conversations with him and ask him questions along the way. Or that they wish Jesus were living now on earth and just kind of was here that we could kind of connect with him and and run some things by him. What we don't seem to understand is that the presence of Holy Spirit God in your life and in my life is like God has unlocked the power of Jesus being with us, but being with us all the time. We don't understand the limitations that existed when Jesus was here on earth. Stuart Briscoe wrote these words. He he said it better than I will. He, He said, in the body of the flesh, which Jesus had assumed, the Lord was subject to the limitations of time and space that are common to all men. As a result, he could not be with Peter in Galilee and at the same time with John in Jerusalem. But when he was liberated from his earthly body through the resurrection and ascension, he would come to them in the spirit and live in their lives, imparting to them grace and power. Your life, okay, and your ability to handle this world with the best version of you goes way up when you get a constant help in every moment of life from the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter eight, verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, 
okay? That is power that is unforeseen in any other thing in the entire universe. If that power that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Holy Spirit God that dwells inside of you is like a constant cheat code for life. Okay, gamers know what cheat codes are and if the rest of you don't, I'll try and explain it, sorta. Cheat codes exist for those moments in a video game that we, we can't seem to get through. Something seems impossible to get past or, or, or we wanna move the story along and we can't seem to get past that moment and so there are cheat codes that you can kind of put into your controller or onto your keyboard, whatever the case is, so that you can kind of move magically past those things. But the problem is those cheat codes don't always exist. They're, they're just there for certain moments and certain situations and when things are really, really tough, you can probably find a cheat code to get you past they're not always there. Holy Spirit God is a constant, ever-present cheat code for life. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is providing you with a light that's towards the best life, towards the best habit, towards the best choice, towards the best outcome for every moment of your life. So here's what the gift of God is. Here's what he's providing you with. God has, has designed for you the ability to overcome your sin through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and then to provide for you direction for the rest of your life through the Holy Spirit. It's not just a one-time gift of inclusion that God is presenting to you. It is a constant, ever-present gift of inclusion all the time. But then Paul, after unboxing everything, after reviewing this best life that's available for us, gets to our part. He says in verses 12 and 13 of Romans chapter 8, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. The Holy Spirit is dwelling within us, providing constant help for us, not momentary help, okay? Not leave your message at the beep and we'll get back to you when we have the time kind of help. We're talking about help that is there for every moment, a constant presence, comforter, counselor, and friend for the best life that we can live. And to access the best life and to access the Holy Spirit, well, first it means paying attention to the Spirit. If we're already a follower of Jesus, we have the Spirit. And maybe you didn't know that, but you have the indwelling of Holy Spirit, God. You gotta pay attention. Now, I believe that it is easiest to hear the Holy Spirit. It is easiest to understand the Holy Spirit. It is easiest to follow and see what the Holy Spirit is laying out for you when you are spending time with God. 
however it is that you do that best. We talked about that a few weeks ago, that whether it's through reading scripture or whether it's through hearing scripture read to you or whether it's through prayer or whether it's through a a quiet time or a walk that you take in, in times of solitude or whether it's listening to worship music, whatever it is that allows you to spend time with God, when you're doing that, I think it's easier to hear the Holy Spirit laying out these paths for you. But regardless of whether you hear him or not, and regardless of whether you're spending time with God to make that easier for you, the Holy Spirit is still constantly pointing the way. But it's not just a quest to hear him. It's not just a quest to kind of be focused in enough that you can see this path that the Holy Spirit's laying out. It's also about choosing to walk in the Spirit. Because you can see what you're supposed to do and you can see the path that's been laid out for you, but you still have to move. And so you gotta choose to walk in the spirit. God has the right, he has the holy, he has the lawful step and path for you in every part of your life. And I think that sometimes we hear it and sometimes we see it and sometimes we understand what has been laid out in front of us but either we choose not to move or we forget to move. When I was a kid, I played a lot of sports. And and I loved basketball. It just wasn't the thing that I did best. But for like three years, I played basketball in a city league. Now, I grew up in Florida. And so in Florida, in the winter, during a city league, you still play outside because it's Florida, okay? And so I played in this outside city league for third, fourth, and fifth graders. And and we weren't very good, and the games didn't last very long, and the scores were not very high. But I remember a game when I was in fifth grade. Our team wasn't very good. We didn't win very many games at all. But there was one particular game that we had a chance to win, which was kind of a minor miracle. And it was near the end of the game and we were taking the ball out of bounds from on our end of the court. And our coach called a timeout because he wanted to draw up a play. Fifth grade. You don't draw up plays for fifth graders. The best you can do as a coach in fifth grade is make sure that your team is running in the right direction with the ball. That's all you can do. But our coach called a timeout and he drew up a play. And here's what his play was. I was gonna take the ball and I was gonna throw the ball in bounds. And the ball was going to, to be passed by my teammates around and up to the top of the key. And then once it got to the, the guard at the top of the key, they were gonna reverse the ball and send it back around through passes until it got to me. And then I would presumably be wide open to go to the basket because in fifth grade, it's like amoeba, amoeba basketball. You know, Everyone in the defense just follows the ball wherever it goes. And so the thought was, if you can move the ball to the top of the key, they're all going to go chase the ball and they'll never be able to recover. And so we went out to run this play and I threw the ball inbounds. And then I watched as masterfully Like never before in any other part of that game or any other, my teammates passed the ball to one another cleanly. Two passes and three passes to get it up to the top of the key. And then without traveling, the fifth grader turned and started passing the ball back the way that it had come. And it started working its way back around, 
pass after pass until eventually they passed the ball to me. And when the ball hit me in the hands, the referee blew his whistle and stopped the play. Because I was still standing out of bounds. I had watched this incredible play go exactly as the coach had drawn up. It was a perfect play. Everything happened exactly as he said it would happen. It was a perfect path. But I forgot to move. I think that happens with us. Sometimes we are tuned in just enough to see God draw up the perfect play for the stuff that's going on in our life. We see it. We hear it. We just forgot that we were part of the play and we forgot to move. Holy Spirit God is speaking into your life right now. In big moments of life and in little small moments that you think he wouldn't care about. And he is providing a great play for you. And I think sometimes we hear him and I think sometimes we see what he wants us to do and we we see all that's unfolding for us if we would just step into the Spirit's ways. But we fail to move. Pay attention to the Spirit instead of the world. And choose to walk in the Spirit instead of the world. God has designed the perfect play for every moment of your life. Holy Spirit God is there providing you with freedom and and a new mind and constant help. But we have to move. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for justice and sacrifice that comes through Jesus, but we thank you for direction and help and challenge and correction all along the way through the ever-present indwelling of the Holy Spirit. God, may we um, understand that your love for us and your relationship with us didn't end with an empty tomb, but it continues with the Holy Spirit. God, help us to pay attention. Help us to have the courage to walk into your play, to take the path that you are laying out for us so that we might involve ourselves in the best life, the best habits, the best choices, the best outcomes. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.